Welcome back to Exotic Liability number 13. Unlucky number 13. And it's not even Friday. No, that was yesterday. I hope Jason doesn't break in the house and kill us. <laughs> but he won't because we're not having sex. Well, maybe we are. No, Karen left. Yeah. Not, you and I aren't having sex. <laughs> I love you and I want no way. spray tan? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. This, this spray tan. Oh, if you guys God. ever make... <laughs> this was a tip from a stripper, apparently. If you guys ever go get a... Spray tan, make sure you spread your cheeks a little bit so that it gets down the crack and you don't have that white streak running down your perfectly tan body. Okay, so there's a security <laughs> tip from Dr. Jones. Uh, the world famous. <laughs> God, the world famous Shot. Dr. Jones. Oh, I was going to say that. Uh, yeah, go to Shotgun Willie's. You'll learn great tips on how to apply your spray tan. Yep. Um, so we have all, all sorts of wonderful stuff to talk about Um but I'm going to make it as quick as I can because I want to go see the Kentucky Derby and watch Dunkirk kick everyone down. You know what happened last time, last year when I watched the Derby? Yeah, pissed off and lost? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you want to know why? Why? Because my horse was going to win and then died. <laughs> Your horse died? Literally yeah, died? died. In the race. <laughs> died. Was whooping everybody and died. That's what. That's how I roll. I'm like drinking a mint julep, which I threw across the bar, <laughs> and just walked out in disgust. That's what you get for gambling. So if Dunkirk dies this year, then next year you'll know that you can make a bet in Vegas now that yeah. your horse will die on the track, and I will be able to stack everyone's <laughs> bet because I'm like, whatever I pick to win, it's going to die. <laughs> Vegas uh. starts watching what you're betting on. Fuck, we have to... Yeah, that horse is gonna die. Whoops! <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, <clears throat> so what's what's new? You know, the, we, we've been talking about a bunch of stuff. Uh, again, thank you, Mike, for everything that you've done with Kismet. I don't think any of us alone could uh, could really attack the wireless space uh, and and show clients the the vulnerabilities in wireless uh, without some of the ridiculously awesome work that you've done. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's just it's just awesome. It's just awesome. Um, Speaking of hacking, O'Day, all sorts of other fun stuff, um, I'm sure you guys have seen the recent things that have come out uh, that the PCERT, uh, a.k.a. Product Security Incident Response Team at Adobe, their crack awesome security team that lets us hack everyone via client site. <laughs> uh, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, there's There's more O'Day for Adobe. Uh, why? Well, because you can use JavaScript in Adobe, and boy, is that really neat. So... If you can use that, you can package it up. You can use some of the uh, JavaScript stuff that's that's in Metasploit to repackage the exploit to make it not found in any of the virus detection kits and all that stuff. And run client-side, you have another way to remotely hack and loft over the firewalls, which is something, you know, that's that's what I, I submitted one of the speeches to, uh, to Black Hat for this year. Mm -hmm. And my whole speech was the difference between an information perimeter and a perimeter, because Everybody seems to think that the perimeter is geographical. Right. Like, like you know, on the other side of this firewall is the outside. Is the big bad internet. The big bad internet. Where all the hackers live. Where all the Verizon people can make their claims about internal and external and just be wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Wrong. <laughs> let's, um, let's reference a podcast from six ago. Yeah, right? <laughs> um so, so you know, one of the things that I'm talking about there is is just that, right? Is that in the 21st century, we've we've come to this idea 
that information is all over the place. And if information is needing to be the core of our security program, then you can't think of, of your perimeter as geographical. Because how many times do you post documents out there like an Adobe document that has all the metadata not wiped, aka other engineers that use my reports? That's right. We know you. Um, <laughs> That's only because your name showed up on a report for a company you've never worked for. <laughs> exactly. Right? So, so you know, you, you can go out, you can find all this data, you can do some of the stuff like we talked about a couple episodes in, uh, using FOCA. Uh, to go out and find documentation relevant to companies, being able to use Live Extractor and use uh, Multigo. <clears throat> well, yeah, Multigo to go find it, Focus to go find it, then use you know Live Extractor and MetaGoofil to go pull all the metadata out of it, and then you're starting to get usernames of the environment and things like that. Now, if you don't think that that's pertinent to your enterprise and you don't think that that's a perimeter, you read. You need to rethink your security strategy. So, all of those things I can get passively in an environment without actively touching this geographic thing that they're calling their perimeter, and attack data that is internal data. Well, when the thing when they're talking about perimeters, they don't take into consideration how many people walk out the door legitimately Yeah, with a laptop full of data. Boatloads of stuff. I mean, God, one of our friends, you know, I mean, uh, think, think about people quitting. <laughs> or, or being laid off, even. And, being, and having two and a half hours of off. network access. Right. I mean, you know what? Guess what, guys? When you lay somebody off, maybe you should look at a little bit of their usage history. I guarantee you, you're going to find a really weird amount of traffic that's going through their network port. Why? Because they want to get stuff. They want to have. They don't want to rewrite the report that they wrote six months ago. They want to have that so they can write it again and have some of that canned data in there. I mean, don't don't fool yourself into thinking that you know y- your perimeter is going to be your firewall and that's going to stop it you you look at this adobe exploit and i'm lofting that thing over the firewall unless you have some good controls i am attacking your quote unquote perimeter by sending something to the inside of your network so i i really one of the big things that i want to talk about at blackhead is is the new idea of how to attack an information perimeter mm-hmm. and not just attack a perimeter on the outside you know web apps networks wireless all those things those are great ingress egress points but the perimeter really, to me, sits where the information is. Well, that 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 actually has. I have a question for you on that one. And, and with as much information goes out and is shared legitimately again right. by you know partner companies and whatnot, or credit. Let's say credit cards, for example. You you know you've got your credit history. You've got uh, all these people that that process the card number. I mean, it's not like your bank fucking runs the credit card number every time you swipe the card, right? Right. Um, so, is there really a perimeter when it comes to information? Well, and that, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, right? there, there just isn't one. <clears throat> so, so if if we go towards strategies and protection that are based off of creation of information, categorization of how you know relevant or pertinent that information is to the organization from a business perspective, right? And then we can classify that and get an understanding of like, hey, this is stuff that can't get out or kind of can get out or right. it doesn't matter. You know, then then you can start protecting information from layers there instead of, you know, just, the oh, well, the you know, the firewall's got it. And don't mind the fact that he published our password list and put it in an Excel document and also <laughs> had his you know, username attached to it, whatever. You know, then then people can actually build strategies that we can have this pervasive information world, you know. Well, but you have to set up that initial... You know, this is confidential. Right, you this build, is public. Right. How many right, companies right. we dealt with that ever actually had any of that set up? Oh, none of them. None of them. 
I mean, I, I really think, don't I think, think we had anyway. one. I think we had one in the last Possibly. four years that actually had that set up. <clears throat> well, you know, and and then with with all of these things, you know, my my vision of the internet is is that it's it's going to become more and more peer to peer centric and less and less point to point centric. Right. And and you know, you have these point to points. So, you know, as as we start getting huge amounts of data and as we start transferring, you know, essentially all of our company in the virtual cloud. Right. Cloud. Um, <laughs> right. So so as you transfer all this stuff into the cloud, you're you're gonna start need to be putting controls on data almost like if um, if if I was gonna give you a document mm-hmm. instead of you from an IP perspective, coming to my company and off of one of my servers getting my document, you're going to send a request out to the cloud, right? And the cloud is going to provide you with that data without ever talking to my network. Right. So now, knowing that and knowing that anybody can make those requests, you have to make this information-centric security program in order to allow for that. And what it ends up doing is it saves you a ton of money in the back end because now I don't have to have a big, giant internet pipe. Why? Right. Because it's, 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 it's more of it's a... It's in the cloud. Right. It's a view, right? All I have to worry about is a view of that information. As long as I can get my users to viewing the information and doing what they want with it, I don't have to have the transfer of the file go back and forth. All I need is, you know, like screenshots, like Citrix, right? Where right. it's 14K packets. Yeah. You know, and, and, and okay, great. But you still have to control who views that. Right. But, and, but that's what I'm saying, right? So instead of, instead of saying, you know, I need to transfer a file that's 10 gig, mm-hmm. all I need to do is transfer screenshots that are 14K and be able to have them be able to interact with it and make it look like it's on their desktop. Right. But I don't even have to serve that from my company. So now we have a hugely improved security program because all of our controls are data-centric instead of geographically-centric. And you can actually do something with it. In a perfect world. Right. No. <laughs> hey, any of you who are going to cloud computing, listen, I'm not like a soothsayer. It's not like, you know, ooh, Ninja Future of 2099 is you know, Chris Nickerson's data-centric program. Like, we should have been doing this always. Um, That's because you're arrogant. Yeah, right. <laughs> Listen, I suck at everything in security. I know that, right? And I'll tell you and I'll tell everyone else that compared to any of my friends or any of the people that I follow and listen to, I'm nothing, a no one. I don't know really anything. The best I can probably say of something that I'm good at is the manipulation of people and doing some social engineering stuff. But even then, people are like, well, whatever. I can pick up a phone and call somebody for their password. So I I just suck. So let's just leave it at that. I suck. (laughs) And, And then everyone who tells me, that that you know you guys are arrogant on the show. No, we we just don't have time to to bullshit politically for nine hours. We want to give information that's going to make people's lives change, and not sit here and use the political rhetoric for five hours to get you to one point that took a minute to get to. Well, and we've been doing political rhetoric all week in our real jobs. So oh, God. <laughs> by the time you've been doing it for five days, you're kind of spent. It's like I am done with that, and I'm sure that you know most of the people who are listening like they go through that stuff every single day. Oh, sorry. Had to take a breath. Um, so what, what? What else fun is going on? You know, there's there's all sorts of cool stuff. So well, you, you were talking about about exploits and the the Adobe exploit, but um, that kind of leads into what we were talking about with um, oh Christ, uh, the the exploits getting edited. Oh, on security oh, focus. yes. I don't know if anyone had saw that, but but there's a bunch of posts out there, right? Um, that. On security focus for the UDEV exploit that just recently came out, um, it's if you search for three four five three six dot sh, 
that's the shell that they put up there, mm-hmm. uh, the the shell code that they put up there to to say it was a proof of concept, right? Um, the real proof of concept was put up on the full disclosure list. If you diff those side by side, it's totally different. So, a, a but they big, were submitted by the same person, right? A big giant middle finger to security focus for editing people's exploits. Period. I don't care if you want to say, "Oh yeah, we're the responsible blah 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 community that's going to track these things for information and everything else." Don't edit their exploits. Because that just shows that you're big brother controlled and it makes me have no interest in working with you. And and I think that anyone who's going to be looking at proof of concepts, Don talked about this. Yeah. Right? Don was sitting here talking about, you know, how they did that with some of his code, right? Like, hey, there's no publicly available exploit code except here's the shell code right underneath it. Right. Like, get it together, guys. <clears throat> so, please, I, I, I support responsible full disclosure uh, fully. And I think the full disclosure mailing list is a hell of a place to get clean and real data. So anyone who's out there looking at this code, reading it, trying to figure out how to use it, how to make it work and why all that stuff. Why it's broken. Yeah, why, <laughs> why it's completely broken, maybe because they changed all of it. But but really go out there and be sure to clean and diff your stuff and, and be sure that you run it in test environments. And don't just, please don't be one of those pen testers that goes out, runs it, gets it together, and just runs it against their client without testing it. <laughs> And then like complains because not, not it doesn't that we've work. Ever worked with anyone like oh that. my god! You know, guys, just just do your homework, and and that has nothing to do with me or anyone. I learned my lessons. Like, like just just make sure that you're working in a responsible nature for your clients, and if you're doing it at home or whatever else, I mean, you know, ma- make sure that these types of things are cleaned and sanitized. You know, most of the time when we do pen test and, and we're touching anything that we think that may hurt a service, we'll mock up the servers in VM and run it against it 50 different ways before we actually run them out against the client because y- you got to take care of them. You can't just be launching garbage at them. You can't just be taking needles and throwing them at a person and just be like, oh, don't worry, I'll give you your insulin shot. Just give me like four or five tries to throw this needle at you from 10 feet away. You know, it just, it, it, it's crazy. It has to be a tactical thing. So back away from that, um, I, I maintain my middle finger to security focus for for doing that and changing people's exploits. It's not right. Stop it. Bad security focus. Bad. <laughs> Slapping the digital wrist. <laughs> uh, um, what other cool new stuff has come out this week? Uh, there's a new version of Samurai that just came out. If, if no one has played with it before um, and you are sick of the old days of trying to get W3AF to work and being in like super dependency hell, that's all over, right? W3AF runs awesome on everything. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what that is, that's a, a great open source framework that uh, was put out to compete with all of the $50,000 tools like Spy and App. AppScan, App Watchfire, whatever. Whatever IBM calls it. Fun. Rational application, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Rational blah. AppScan. I it? just want to hear myself talk. Application.com. <laughs> And Acunetics, which is a piece of garbage. Please stay. I, I, I don't care what the shootouts are. All right? And and I respect the people who've done some of the shootouts. But if you don't use the, the little AWS or whatever it's called code module that sits oh. on the server in the back end, yeah. it doesn't find a damn thing well unless you tweak the hell out of it. Um, I'm not going to promote any of this stuff, but... I hate going into clients where they have us do back-end work and they want us to do some of the code review. Hmm. And then they go, hey, here's the outside reports, and they hand me an Acunetic scan, and I'm like, you just throw that away. <laughs> like, you just throw it away. I'm not, I, it's useless for me to look at it. It'll find some stuff, but 
I, and I'm sure it'll get me flamed from like super awesome people who are great with it and probably can get good results. But as the generic consultant out there uh, that use these tools without highly tweaking them, um, being, or being taught how to use them at all, yeah, it's 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 just a no go. Um, it's just not good for someone who's the the average security consultant who doesn't really know what that thing's doing. The people who are really really good, yeah, you can tweak it to do some awesome stuff, and it competes. Well, the people that are really really good are also doing plenty of manual testing too. Right, right. But, but they're using it to save some time on the initial <laughs> fact finding stuff, and that's about it. Yeah. So so you know, long story short, um, play with the open source stuff, man. I mean, just. The, the new Samurai version that, that InGardens put out, uh, InGuardians uh, decided that they were going to make a live CD and a VM, and the VM's awesome, uh, to put out to have all of the open source attack tools for web application. So it's a killer framework. It's beautiful. Uh, you know, I, I would always you know, stress any of the engineers, if you're testing or anything else, and you're you know, somebody who's a staunch user of Backtrack or something like mm-hmm. that, don't rebuild it. Use another VM. Use a Samurai web testing framework because it is excellent. Now, is that dot four version or dot five? I believe it is dot four. Is that right? No, dot five. Dot five. Yeah, it came I out have, May. Yeah, May second, yeah, two thousand nine. Okay. So it just came out. Oh, it came out today. Yeah. Um, Damn. Fresh and hot off the oven. Um, and there was another tool you were telling <coughs> about last night. The Net Netferia. Oh, Net, Net, Netferia. Yeah. yeah, that's just. Gangster stuff. Like if you wanna, if you want another reason to go out and go beyond Metasploit or Core or Canvas or any of those things, check out the Netferia platform because they do some sick stuff. They have the, you know, crazy Java full machine shells and it. Uh, I can't even. I what well, I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to some people and see if we can get the creators of that on the show because they need to talk about it because it is some awesome, awesome, awesome tech. It's a great extensible framework for exploitation and having remote control of boxes and being able to do all sorts of stuff like that. So if if you want to start getting dirty before we actually get them on the show to talk about some of the extensibilities and how that framework works, uh, definitely go after it. And and as Karen said in the forums, we'll stop trying to suck at posting links. Um, <laughs> we've just been so busy that we haven't been able to. Um, but we need to get better. And and please, if anybody's listening and you guys have the links, Feel please free to do us a favor and, and put them up in the forum or put them up underneath the episodes uh, when you go to the Libsyn or you know any anyone who has any of these or if you're the creators of the tool. <laughs> Please promote yourself because it's awesome. Because the stuff that usually you know we're out there finding that people make is is just unbelievable, and it needs massive amounts of promotion because it's just it's just that good um, for for any of these tools, uh, especially you know the Samurai and Netferia and Foca and, and all this work that the research community is doing. Um, God love them because I could never do it. And I mean, man, they make this world go round, and I don't think a lot enough people give them props and give them respect for for how awesome they are and, and what they're doing and just being able to put it out there for the community. I think that's just big ups to them. Uh, so take a breath. Some of the other tools that are coming out, you know, there's there's all sorts of other neat stuff that's been, you know, on the wire and, and you know, all sorts of fun things that have been out there. Uh, but you know, one of the one of the big things that people I think are still kind of keeping under the cover uh, is not just these directed attacks. Back to my information perimeter opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, the physical perimeters, because I think those are kind of physical perimeter attacks. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I was reading something in netsecurity.org, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where it is. 
Um, and they were talking about the Sophos poll or Sophos or however the hell you say that. Sophos, ran, I, think, yeah. I think it's Sophos. Yeah. So they're, they're saying that 63% of system administrators worry that employees share too much information via social networks. They go further on in the story. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. <laughs> wow, dang, surprise face. But they go further on to say that one in four companies report attacks via social networking sites. Really? So like 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 people attacking MySpace or attacking their, their users through a MySpace page or something? Or what exactly does that entail? So, are, they, are they using the information from social networks to get into places? Well, no, yeah. I mean, they're using those to, to spam, to do client-side okay. attacks, to, you know, face-jacking. <laughs> Is that the new term for it? I just think that's so dirty-sounding that we got to make it a term. Okay, please get behind us so from in now on, formalizing face-jacking. So from now on, social so using social networks to break into places. It's well, it's called face jacking. Well, I like I, no. We can keep it specific to Facebook okay. of saying writing a malicious app in Facebook, spam through Facebook, client side attacking, cross frame cross script, whatever for redirection, and any of the other types of general client side trickery, like you know posting something saying, "Hey, I just made this new document," and just putting it out there and seeing how many people download your client side. <laughs> um, so that's me officially face. That's jacking. called face jacking. So we're gonna make that for every social network. Face Jack, like Twit Jack, Twit Jack, My Jack, My Jack. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> we're gonna become like a trilogy here. <laughs> Face Jack, Twit Jack, and My Jack. Well, maybe yeah. we should, and then we could do one for YouTube called You Jack. We're gonna do My Jack. Jack Tube. <laughs> if anyone has Jack Tube registered, we might have to talk about buying it. <laughs> um, <laughs> for many reasons. Um, but yeah, so I, I just thought it was it was awesome that, you know, the traditional 419 scams uh, that, you know, use users like the Nigerian stuff uh, or malware described as error messages or malware described as, you know, legitimate applications that right. just go through and just pull everything off of your profile. Uh, that's hot. I mean that's just <laughs> awesome. That you know, uh, like look at look at all the Multigo transforms that you can write oh, to go to the back end, you know, API of Facebook. Yeah. That's sick. And you just, combine that with an app. Everything. Yeah, but think about that. You combine it with an app. You allow the app, and you can, and then you make API calls back to that app through Multigo, and you just work and social you, networks. And, and you call the app like Pirates versus Ninjas. Exactly, <laughs> right? Out on Facebook, right? And and every time and every time you send like a you got punched in the head by a pirate, it attaches to their profile and just starts pulling stuff from their profile <laughs> and spiders your own profile. Like like what's up with that, right? Think about it. If if you think of a, of a social network like an email box, mm-hmm. like why aren't we seeing more people? <laughs> Idea, hint, star. <laughs> why aren't we seeing more people write social networking worms? Can, can we trade Karen for a social networking worm, too? I will I also mean, trade Karen. We, we Legitimately we, trade Karen <laughs> for a social networking worm. We, we traded Karen uh, on the last podcast. For, a, for, for botnet. For, for, for anyone a, who, could, who could script to the bumping up the podcast alley rating up our number ratings. one. Yeah. <laughs> we'll also give you Karen for a social networking worm. Yeah, please, please help our non-sponsored show get to number one so that everybody else who has boatloads of money and are doing podcasts, we can just make them feel bad. Be like, hey, look, we did it for free. <laughs> All we had to do was... Pimp Karen. Oh, we had to do was <laughs> pimp out Karen, which that's cool. Um, she didn't say no. That's true. <laughs> so maybe the EFF could weigh in on that one. Oh, they're busy suing Apple. Oh man, they're suing Apple because Apple tried to uh, 
get a, a website shut down. I think it was called Blue Wiki. Um, and they had some information on Blue Wiki about uh, how to get past, how to use your iPod and stuff like without using iTunes. So like uh-huh. getting it to work with like Winamp and crap. And uh, so apparently last year Apple, all their army of lawyers said, you have to take all this crap down or we're going to sue you. And, and they listened and took it all down. Well, now EFF's like, uh-uh, you can't do that. That's freedom of speech. Nice. So that should be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, that'll be good. You know, speaking of other super late-breaking news, have you seen the plaid, P-L-A-I-D, or I don't know how to say that, plaid? Plaid. P-L-A-I-D is plaid. Oh, yeah. So, have you... really nasty pants you wear on the golf course? Plaid. Or it is a high-end piece of technology that the Australians have built called Protocol for Lightweight Authentication of ID. That is apparently a new protocol that they're saying is going to solve all security problems. You mean like SSL did? <laughs> and it only, yeah, and it only cost them five hundred sixty thousand dollars. Like, damn, we're all out of a job. Here comes Plaid. <laughs> it's back in style. Plaid. You thought it was cool in the nineties when you were wearing a plaid shirt and so, listening to Pearl Jam, but now this stuff stops you from having a do, job. Do you think they came up with the name first or the or the, or the acronym? The, uh, like, I don't. Do we call it Plaid and then try to figure out and like what words we can get? To- well, it's, with- you know how you and I always do that, right? It's oh, always yeah. like, all right, we have this concept, and here's what we're building. Now we need to make it into some catchy acronym that's really funny. All right, we're going to call it uh, whore. Yeah. <laughs> and then all, really, no, it's the holistic uh, evolution. <laughs> I, wait, I can't spell it. I can't it. spell it. <laughs> yeah, See, uh, exactly. It'd be the world holistic operating reason evolver. Nice. That's cute. It doesn't make any sense. What about the world hacking obfuscation reticulant eyeball exploit? Oh, ooh, it's the hacker side. Whore. It attacks your network. Whores take over the internet. Oh, well, you know. Next. (laughs) Ding. Oh, is that the timer? (laughs) But anyway. Fucking timer. If you go out and you search Plaid and and the Australians, they've done some really awesome goofy stuff on their criminal island to think that that they can, uh, you know, go out and and secure and solve all the problems of the internet by writing new protocols. Hey, guess what? Um, Speaking of writing new protocols, um, I still remember when Jimmy decided to go out and buy the Gibson guitar and amplifier that used Ethernet to communicate. Mm-hmm. So it uses Ethernet. Okay. To communicate to. D- instead the of. Amp? Yeah, instead of a, a quarter inch jack, okay. it uses Ethernet. All right. All right. So it uses Ethernet, it pushes everything over there. It has its own protocol called Magic. Okay. Magic. Look it up. I, no, I believe you. I right? just, <laughs> magic. Now, I like the name. How does now, it work? It's magic. The. Uh, the best part of it is the only reason he bought it, mm-hmm. learned the protocol, learned how everything worked, is so that he could change some stuff on the guitar and amp. Okay. So then he could make the claim to the public that he hacked the Gibson using magic. <laughs> That's too much free time. That is just <laughs> people like that rule. Those are the people in my life that I go, me? No, I don't know anything about security or computers or anything else. He hacked the Gibson with magic. <laughs> what happens if you hit the G? Oh, well, then you're going to auto-pwn everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> it opens up Metasploit. And <laughs> it opens up Car Metasploit because I installed wireless on my guitar. That'd be fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, it would. So then you could so just So we can play. trade Karen for that, too. Anyone who wants to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just kidding. More stuff. We can just trade Karen. Um, 
But yeah, wouldn't that be great? You could play like <laughs> every you play podcast, like Death Rock. We come up with a different way to it's like all, all Death Rock tunes. And anytime you play Death Rock, it's just you know like a couple straight chords. You, every it time you play Death Rock, up. a new Adobe PDF exploit gets found. <laughs> <laughs> a new WAP gets installed for somebody <laughs> to connect to at an airport. Free public Wi-Fi. Uh-huh. Boy, this really brings a new light to the people who are sitting on the corner with, like, the $1 in their can who are, like, jamming on their little amplifier on 16th Street Mall. Mm-hmm. You could harness all that What are you doing? I'm pointing power. everything. <laughs> oh, God. Watch out, Boulder. Oh, okay. More, so there, more there's, fun. There's a report coming out uh, that apparently... Experts predict that consumer demand on the internet, which is already apparently growing at like 60% a year, thanks to like YouTube and uh, iPhones. They specifically name YouTube and BBC's iPlayer, which I've never used, but apparently it, it, it sucks up. It, 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 they, actually, up. they actually call it a net bomb. Nice. But because of those two sites and, and like the increase of it, um, internet users will start facing regular brownouts that will freeze their computer as capacity runs out in cyberspace. I'm just going to leave it. That's going to be one of I'm those family sure. guy pauses where it's just dead silent and awkward. <laughs> and you're just like. I'm like, how exactly does the ow, internet not working ow. freeze up my laptop? Like, okay. Uh, granted, web pages I know the guy slower. who hacked magic. I mean, you know, it's maybe that'll help. Have you ever read that series of books? I can't remember the author. I'm going to have to look it up. Or if anybody knows it, please tell me. But there is, um, there's an author who mixed all of these, like, Norse uh, gods mm-hmm. and magic from all of that, like sides of, of mythology, mm-hmm. with super high end like security and computing, and so they had this one server that would execute all of these magic spells and all this other stuff. But but you could <laughs> so you could execute these like spells and all this crazy stuff over the internet. Yeah, you'd log in and you'd log into this like server. This and is, this is in the book. Yeah, in the okay. book. But it's like a series of books, and it's it's really really wild. Like, how they integrate all of this like mythology and like super high end like Gibson style technical 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 stuff. So it's all Norse gods, or it, is it all different? Kinds it, I of think gods? it's all different types of gods, but like the so Norse like gods made Zeus this. wants to create lightning, and he logs in over SSH and like, yeah, he like SSHs to lightning. the yeah. server and yeah, he he pseudo lightning SSH. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I thought, it's just it's really really neat. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, so oh, magic. Um, Lexus Nexus got popped again. Again, oh, um, bo- <laughs> so they Ooh, Lexus they just Nexus. sent out um, on our, I think it was round. Um, Does that mean Choice Point got popped too? Doesn't say they Choice just, Point. It says Lexus. Well, but doesn't Lexus Nexus hold the direct think, to Choice so. Point? I think so. So everyone's data is gone. Everyone, like well, everyone uh, in the apparel, world, is gone. Apparently, only forty thousand people. That's not that bad. Because Lexus Nexus, you. What? It's Nexus, Nexus and investigative professionals. They don't say anything about the hack. All they say is, like, the Postal Service noticed maybe that 40,000 letters went out to subscribe to customers. Hey, maybe uh, maybe Verizon did it so they can call it external. No, apparently it was tied into a Nigerian scam artist. External. External. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely external. Definitely but, uh, external. Because he's in Africa. Sure. Obviously, he's really in Africa. He's totally he's external. Um. But yeah, he apparently like was using the information from LexisNexis to help himself with uh, writing all the, all the spams. So like he'd actually direct shit at people. <gasps> you know what? You know what? That makes me think. Wow, of? that was a really interesting noise. <laughs> yeah, I was just no, I was just, uh, at random. I thought like, hey, that's great. You know what you could do with that? Hmm. The um, the Great Wall 
right? The Chinese big yeah. firewall. Yeah. Uh, their censorship keyword list, blacklist, and policies all just got published on the first. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, on the first, that there's a okay. look on look on WikiLeaks. Yeah. And you can download all of the context. You can download the full file form. It even translates it's every it, word that it every, blacklists. Everything that it blacklists. I bet, so, I bet exotic liabilities on there. Oh, I can't wait. I, I'm, I'm going to download actually it right no, now. We actually do get Chinese listeners. Yeah, I know. The, what is it? The bank? Uh, the the Beijing Hacker Beijing Academy. Beijing Hacker Academy. Yeah, nice. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna download it to see what's in there. I can't wait to go through this. But what a great way to work your phishing so that you can already see what their blacklist policies are. And then just change the word a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and just change them all. And, and, like, oh, oh, instead man. of a, oh, I made a a zero. Dude, <laughs> this is this is going to be what, – what perfect ways to QA – your your fi- hey all of you fishers out there go download it have fun you know go blast China with mad spam that you know is going to make it through well, because you can QA it against their whole list well and then supposedly there's like an additional thirty thousand oh, people that monitor awesome. traffic on the Great Firewall they like they claim thirty thousand people which I guess China has fucked tons of people right so thirty thousand isn't that bad but apparently thirty thousand people also run that that firewall of China and, and monitor shit going in and out. So maybe we aren't blacklisted yet. Oh my but god, we probably will be now. I'm just sitting here. Re- I'm like sitting here reading about a drooling thing. All the really fun stuff that you could do with this blacklist and policy list. Well, there's a company in in Canada, the same company that um, that found the GhostNet thing, the international cyber espionage. <laughs> you mean they found the NSA stuff that we screwed up? You notice how that kind of went away? Yeah. Oh, it did real quick. Um, Boy, that's but the weird. Same- I wonder why. <laughs> Dumbass. Again, someone in someone in in Maryland. Fuck. Wonder why fuck, Alexander fuck, fuck. didn't talk about that at RSA. Um, jeez. <laughs> but no, the same guy. Um, how he owns a company called Siphon, P S I P H O N. Um, based out of Canada, he apparently is 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 launching a service, um, yesterday, that will allow people in China and other nations with government censorship to get around the firewalls. Uh, isn't that called Tor? That's one of the, yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Wasn't that released for free like a really long time ago? Yeah. Good job. So apparently, I don't know. I, they don't go into detail on, on how it works or anything. It's just uh, he's, he's, you know, someone finds a link and if it's if it's blocked by the firewall, he'll he'll forward you to a, a unblocked server to, to serve the, the, the data. You know what technology he uses? SSH and tunneling. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> high tech! <laughs> that was one of my favorite comments from from one of our old IT guys when when he came up to us. And they had just started monitoring all the web traffic, <laughs> and he comes up to me and he's like, "Ryan, it's really weird." He goes, "You don't have any web traffic." <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, no, I you're know. right. <laughs> he goes, "How are you doing that?" I'm like, "I don't know. I, I, I'm on the web right now." He goes, "Man, something must be wrong." And he comes he comes back like two days later. He's like. So you've got like a fuck ton of SSH traffic. <laughs> like that's really all I see from your laptop yeah. every day. Is that's SSH. weird. I don't know why that is. That's that's kind of weird. You you should probably just let that alone. <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. worry about that. Yeah. I'm secure. I'm being safe. I'm being safer <coughs> than the rest of the people wearing the company. Yeah, I wear rubber when I'm at my desk. Uh, uh, hey, speaking of being safe, other stuff. Uh, and and back to your. Uh, Apple in lawsuits and all yeah. that. Do you see that there's uh, a case that I guess on Friday in Palo Alto somebody testified for legalizing jailbreaking of the iPhone? Really? Yep. What's their argument? I would love to hear it. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sitting here scanning through some. Of it. I I read part of this like 
uh, while I was on a plane coming back. But I guess Fenwick and West, mm-hmm. uh, who's like an IP lawyer, okay. are, are representing them and filed this like giant 27-page brief, which we have to go just download and check out, okay. um, that essentially arguing that legalizing jailbreaking would lead to copyright infringement. So they're they're trying. So so that's that's their defense. Oh, that's their defense. Yeah, that's their defense. Well, China's already got the iPhone. Like, what is it, it that it, the company? It's a cell phone company that starts with an M, and I can't remember their name right now. But yeah. it, it is the iPhone, like down to the parts. They, some there was a website that took it apart. They actually got a whole one that took yeah. it apart. It's like down to the parts. The only thing missing Ch- is the Apple logo. Check it out. It says it says copyright infringement, potential damage to the device. And other potential harmful physical effects, like the thing blowing up, like hacking like, my software messes with adverse effects on the functioning of the device and breach of contract. Well, that's AT and T. Big deal there. That's Who cares? So, that, I I can't wait. I I hope that you know. Please be a groundbreaking breaking lawsuit that allows people to really go through and and do some of this stuff. And, I mean, and allow legally to jailbreak the. I mean, you know what? I find okay. It's I, a phone. Well, I know it is, but at the same, okay, I get the part about causing damage to the device because they're worried about people coming back with you know a warranty complaint. Go, oh, I fucked up my phone, and I don't know what's wrong with it. You need to replace it because your warranty. Okay, so write something in your warranty that if it's jailbroken, it's no longer covered. Whatever. That's like saying I got a Dell box with Microsoft on it, and I installed Lindo. You know, Windows. <laughs> I installed Windows because I don't know how to use Linux. And uh, it broke, so give me a new hard drive. Well, no, and Dell going, I'm sorry, Linux broke your hard drive. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Get out of my face. Don't ever say that to me again. That's ridiculous. And I'm sure someone's going to be like one of those like list flamers where they're like, well, actually, what you can do with Linux that you can't do with Windows is do this and this and this, and that can burn out this controller on the hard drive. So pff, you're wrong, Chris. Fine, I'm wrong. Screw you. I don't care. <laughs> it's just ridiculous in theory. Well, the biggest problem, the only reason everybody's freaked out about jailbreaking is two. there's two reasons. I'll, I'll take that back. Two reasons. One, it allows One, you, they have a phone that works. One, it'll allow you to tether the phone way easier than, well, and, and cheaper than AT&T's, like, tethering service, which mm-hmm. I guess they finally started offering. Um, 30 bucks a month. I yeah. just switched to AT&T. Thanks, guys. It's 30 bucks a month, and that's not even unlimited, is it? No, it's there's five a, gig. Well, that's a lot for a phone transfer, but not if you're tethering and you're downloading freaking porn. deliverables and porn. Yeah, let's be fair, porn. Not if I'm the lot. Exactly, porn. But my screen on my BlackBerry <laughs> Bold is so awesome that I'm pretty sure I can one hand it. <laughs> I mean, it's nice. If anyone has a Bold, these things are sick. It's way cooler. You know, haha, f you iPhone people. Like I got a Bold and it's cooler. So there, I don't have to worry about some lame-o touchscreen keyboard, which I hate. Well, and that's the thing with the iPhone. If it had a screen, if it had a keyboard on it, like a physical keyboard, yeah, I, like a G I, phone. I'd love it. Yeah, yeah, I've got the Google phone, and I, and I remember the thing first came out. Everybody's freaking out, going I, on the on the, some of the forums out there. They're like, "Man, this thing doesn't even have an on-screen keyboard." You don't need one. It's got this giant slide-out keyboard, full <laughs> fucking QWERTY. You, what are you complaining about? I just want a touchscreen, man. <clears throat> to go, go get an iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we made all of you iPhone people at the offensive computing party go through the other door. Oh, that was funny. Um, we were, t- and you know, we last podcast we were Dude, talking about. So funny with the we were talking about having a party, um, a party for the for the you know exactly liability podcast and inviting all these people and made me think of the last time you and I were in Vegas. 
in uh, in January. Okay. With with Mark's. What part are we talking about? The good part. Oh. The whole trip. Um, oh, but the the part okay. where uh, suddenly we were on the VIP list of LAX, and we got in, and we're standing there in the middle of the party, and everybody's looking at me going, where'd Chris go? And about <laughs> two minutes later, here comes Chris with the executive VP of of VIP services well, or some a shit. Pure, a pure management. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, yeah, so uh, you guys are awesome, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what did you tell him? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Some did you ever remember what you told him? Oh, good. We were pretty hammered. Oh, no, I remember what I told him. It's just not necessarily something for here. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, but needless to say, we'll probably have our party at a peer management group-sponsored uh, yeah. club. Considering so like, that's like, what, Christian we, we, Auditors, the new club, the Palazzo or whatever. Oh, the one in the Palazzo? Palazzi well, or something. The one in the new Venetian. The one in the new cool club in the Venetian yeah. or LAX, which, you know, I, I never would ever go to the ugly pyramid for anything. That was um, fun, though. But it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, it was really cool. We we should do an entire episode on how to you know hack your Social way, engineer your way into ha- getting a five hundred dollar table for free. Hack hack your way into a porn stars party at AVN and taking over. We had the club. We had like the the, the like window hookup middle of the dance floor seat, and then they were charging people. They were charging people ten thousand dollars. Remember that to go up and meet the chick. oh to sit with the girls. Yeah. yeah. I was like, dude, you could go to Body Miracle and do her for two grand. <laughs> Ten grand? You I better fuck her five times. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, there is not. What, what do I get a coupon? Get do I, no, for 10 grand, you better get anal. Oh. <laughs> and she better have opened them up when she did the spray tan. <laughs> because if she didn't, I want my money back. I want a refund or percentage, something. That's cr- uh. Back to security. Um. <laughs> That was an interesting. Uh, Jer- Jeremiah Grossman just posted something a little while ago on the eight reasons why website vulnerabilities aren't fixed. Um, no one knows how. And, to. and it was kind of one of those in no particular order. Uh, so I'd love to read some of those. And and if anyone has comments on these, uh, I'll open up something in the forum. Or no, excuse me, I won't say that because then you'll yell at me for not doing it. Please open up something in our forum <laughs> so that we could talk about it. Um, so reasons number one, again, not in any order, just out there. Uh, no one at the organization understands or is responsible for maintaining the code. Comments? Well, that's because they outsource all their coding and they don't know how to actually bug the vendor to fix shit. <laughs> you mean like Adobe, who as soon as they outsourced the 92% of the development that they had in three months had more exploits available on any of their products than they had in the history of the company? Yeah. Okay. Go uh, in, go, number- wait, wait. Go India. Go <laughs> India. Thank you, Bangalore. You're a great place. No. <laughs> that place is miserable. I'm going to open a hamburger stand out there. I, I, oh, I bet. <laughs> I went out there, and it, I was out there, what, last September? Yeah. Yeah. I've spent a lot of time out there. Not not a fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm with it. Well, I'm too Americanized. I'm just not international. I'm, I'm cool sure there's some great parts of India. Bangalore is not one of it's them. It's got an awesome, rich history that's culturally viable and really awesome, and I think that the Indian culture and people have it, they have it down, like, as far as living and things like that. Yeah. But it's kind of like Italy, where they have this great cultural history, but it's a shithole. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It is. You know it. Like, if you live there, you already know. <laughs> there go all My family's all, listeners. my no. whole, yeah, my whole family's Italian. But we have, we have no more listeners in Italy or <laughs> India. I doubt it. They'll probably be like... You're right. <laughs> like he or just we get even more popular. Yeah. Number two, 
Features are prioritized ahead of security fixes. Yeah, yeah, I get that excuse all the time. Well, according to Microsoft, bugs are features. Are features so. Yeah, that's right. I love that Microsoft video where it's like if you it, it shows the if you if you click send mm-hmm. on the like bug report mm-hmm. and it like follows it all the way back to Microsoft and then it shows it going to a server and searching through the code to find out who did it and then it, it like follows around the wire to the person's desk and just electrocutes them. <laughs> 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 and it shows like the real time from you clicking send the dude getting electrocuted. Oh, shit. Uh, all right, number three, affected code is owned by unresponsive third party vendor. That's exactly what you were talking about. Well, yeah, and and that's you know that we were talking about that with uh, some of our friends before, especially in the medical industry. Oh, dude, last, we were talking about this last night actually, uh, <sighs> when when we had the three hundred three get together at another well, the three hundred three drinking rounds at, at Netherworld. Um, that the medical industry came up and. and <laughs> There was a comment made that a particular person that we all know and love who got an email from one of their one of their partners. This particular person works in the medical industry at a, at a at a particular hospital, and he got an email from the vendor saying, "How do we patch Windows 2000 so we don't have to worry about configure?" <laughs> and he was like, "Man, I had the shittiest day until I saw that email, and I literally laughed for 30 fucking minutes." <laughs> I was like, to oh. tell them to install Windows ME and just be done with yeah. that. Yeah, oh, just it's okay. Just leave it alone. It It'll be network. fine. Um, well, no, but that's that's one of the biggest problems I've ever. Every time we've done an assessment or any kind of pen test at a hospital, and we're like, wow, we raped this server. What is it? Oh, it controls like you know, the amount of drugs being pumped into the IV of the impl- of the of the patient. Oh man. Well, why isn't it patched? Oh well, the vendor doesn't support anything past Windows 2000 Service Pack Zero. <laughs> But they say they're HIPAA compliant. Yeah, but it's HIPAA compliant. Of course it is. You can't be HIPAA compliant if you're running a dead OS. Speaking of which, <laughs> sorry. Um, do you, do you remember the the hospital gig that I did where uh, I I was scanning and I popped a server that was an HVAC system? Yes. And you uh, and immediately the heated HVAC, up. Yeah, the HVAC system failed open. Blew 105 degree air into an operating room with someone on the table. With someone open <laughs> on the table. Uh, hey, guess what? You know what? That system's not covered under HIPAA. Can it kill someone? Yeah, absolutely. If that yeah. was a, if that was like a critical operation oh, and not like an appendix please, removal. Please, God, please, everyone, take into account your your ephemeral things that may not be directly related to compliance, but can significantly damage your company. Like. HVAC generator. Like, if I can start your generator remotely, remember I did that with a company. I started yeah. their generator remotely after I popped the box. Well, another thing to keep in mind is when you're getting a pen test done, and the pen tester, and I know you did this because <laughs> I saw the email. When you send an email to the client and you say something like, um, "So, what IPs should I not touch because they're they're you know they're funky, they're they're acting weird, they're critical, and we can't have them go down." Don't say go for all of them. Or you know, don't go. Oh no, no, you're fine. Just, just go for whatever. Because um, then things like HVAC systems pumping 104 degree temperature air into a operating room happen. <laughs> Yay, scanners! <sighs> Number four, or, or, the website will be decommissioned to replace soon. Okay, right. I got it. Great. That's like saying you know I'm not going to cure this swine flu because it'll go away soon. Stop it. Like, that's just dumb. If you can do it soon and you don't want to fix it, then just shut the thing down. Yeah. I mean, okay, it's going to be replaced soon. Okay. Well, do do you realize that, you know, this hole is going to be hacked and you're going to lose money soon? 
And, you know, one of the things that I try and use is business cases. And, and actually, um, last night, I, I'm, I'm in the process of writing uh, this, this little white paper. And it's going to be one of those, you know, written by us kind of inflammatory, not really as professional, but more just down and dirty what, what we think about it, right? Oh, it's not professional. Uh, Kevin, Kevin wrote me back. Kevin took all this time. And, and read through, and I really, really appreciate it, man. Uh, but but went through the article and, and looked at all these things, and it was about compliance and security. And and made this uh, comment, which I think is real common, and I can't wait to talk to him about it, about the difference between you know risk and assets, because my whole view is from assets and financial. Right. And he's talking about risk and how they all play into risk and things like that. But, but the reason, you know, going back to this website stuff, I try and make it really pertinent to the people that I work for that it's going to cause you money loss. Now, you can use risk, and risk ends up getting to be this huge wash that you can formulate all these things over. But when you tell a CFO that not patching this application, regardless if it's going to be decommissioned soon or not, is going to cost you money, and then you show them how it costs them money, it makes a big difference. Oh yeah. If you you can show them risk all day long, your risk ranking is ninety percent. Ah, and then they go, red. It's, it's risk. I don't you're, give a shit. You're very very red. But exactly. <laughs> well, what does that mean? You're it means dark you're, red. It means you're, you're blue. You're Merlot. You know. <laughs> you're you're blue. <laughs> right. And and they don't respond to that. But but executives respond to dollars. They really really do. And and I'm sorry that we have all of these. You know, one of the things that that I end up harping on the education community for is because they preach this idea of risk so fervently that they assume that the people who are listening to it have a connection to the reality of what risk is. And what they have a connection to, which it's their job, they have a connection to dollars. And if you show them dollars, they are much more inspired than showing them risk. And while I, I feel that risk is an effective quantitative measurement, at the end of the day, to make the thing run, they care about money. Got to have money. Number five, risk of exploitation is accepted. I think that is just because people don't know how to put it in a frame and put it in a type of speech and something that is materially and psychosomatically impactful to the people who are listening. So when when you're doing a, a risk assessment or you're doing a pen test or anything else, you might be able to use all of your cool formulas and make all these cool reports and do all that stuff. But at the end of the day, if the person whose job is to read that report and do something isn't personally impacted, you're not going to do shit with it. Sorry. You're not going to. It's not going to make a damn difference, guys. It won't. And girls and horses who do InfoSec and monkeys. Because apparently we figured out how we could use a monkey to autopone environments and make them like general security consultants. (laughs) Yay drinking. (laughs) <laughs> so, but but really, I mean, when it comes down to it, risk of exploitation is accepted. That is because, and, and this is purely my opinion, but I think that that is because the impact of that exploitation is not fully defined to the people whose job it is to fix it. Okay, but what if it is? I just what don't if, think it is. A, what if it's just a, okay, so this exploit happens and, and they really don't get anything. Well, and the I, cost of fixing it for some reason, which I, I've never understood that, but the cost of fixing it is, you know, astronomical. Right. Well, I mean, I think if if it's that point, then it's probably just, and it should stay up there as a, as an acceptable reason. You okay. know, I mean, like accepting risk, I think is is valid if you can make a justification against it. But I think that and all too often, it. right? But I think that all too often, 
it's that it's not placed in the right frame. It's not placed in the right context mindset to, to make it impactful to the person who's listening. And I think that that's a huge problem in the security industry is that people don't take into account that this statistical blah, 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 blah type of auditing is, is meant to be statistical in that and not to impact the reader. And I think that if you start looking at it from a perspective of impacting the reader, you'll actually facilitate more change than just remaining agnostic. I mean, dude, security is a feeling. It's not real. <laughs> right? You I mean, mean, is you, it? You mean Homeland Security isn't really making us safer? Well, is it? I mean, really, is it? Do you think security is a real empirical thing or a feeling? I'd say feeling. I mean, it's a feeling of being. I mean, it, it sounds stupid. It fe- you feel secure, feel secure, right? Secure. Right. And and if you don't feel secure, there's no math. I just don't feel secure. <laughs> like if I'm in prison and I drop the soap, I don't feel secure. Period. Regardless of how many times I opened when I was doing the spray tan, I just don't feel secure. And there's nothing that's going to help me feel secure in that situation unless, like, the biggest dude in the shower is, like, one of my friends. I still wouldn't feel secure. <laughs> or I'm his bitch. <laughs> Whatever. Or if I liked it, you know, then I'd feel real well, secure. Then, then you feel happy. Number six. <laughs> Solution conflicts with business use case. <laughs> Thank you, project managers, for using language and obfuscation to stop us from getting our job done and increase the time to market so that the company can get money. Pretty much. <laughs> so what they're saying is, is that we have to do it this way because there's no other way in the world to do it that would be more secure. Or or right? like, like or that you know, it's so important. If, you, if you secure it, we won't be able to conduct business the same way that we've planned which, again, I think that that's a valid excuse. I can't even say excuse. I think that's a valid reason to not do it if it's actually connected to the impact of the threat and not just, hey, you have SQL injection, and people go, we can't fix that. You know? Hey, I have cross-site scripting. We can't fix that. Why? Because we need to open these frames for something. But why? And, and it's because no one's really connected them to how bad it can hurt them. Right. I think a lot of times people read all the code and they show you the little pop-up window of XSS is valid, hit OK. That's, you know what? That's not going to do anything. But if you show them how to install a keylogger through there and make a one-pixel frame that, that is going to use it to do keylogging and session surfing and steal their – or like make it session tamperable so that you can steal their cookies and show them authentication on some other machine once that happens, well, now, now we can get down to the real risk. Number seven. Compliance does not require it. <laughs> well, obviously, if you're compliant, you're secure, right? I mean, if I had the beep, I would just be like, beep, compliant. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. We did that already one podcast. That was <sighs> annoying as fuck because it yeah. wasn't beeping. It was animal noises. <laughs> um, so, so again, back back to some of that white paper that, that Kevin was helping with. Um, it's all about compliance does not equal security. Uh, I don't think that's anything shocking for a lot of you. And for those of you that are shocking for, you should go back to listen to some of the previous podcasts. Shock, surprise. Compliance is security. has nothing to do with it. Compliance is purely built to make you comply. And and feel secure. It's a feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Number eight. No one at the organization knows about, understands, or respects the issue. Again, I think this is back down to impact of threat. So does that mean that 
that issue is because of the pen tester or the assessor not communicating properly? That's what that's what I would make it mean. I mean, but I mean, I don't know if it does or not, right? But that's what I'd make it mean <clears> is that your pen tester sucks. There's always got to be a way to your explain company it, sucks. There's got to be a way to explain it in a way. And I mean, that's kind of the trick with consulting, right? Is being able to talk at a tech level and a and a you know, C level. We of, have to be able to speak to your audience. I well, mean, it has yeah, nothing to do with how many consultants know. or technical people do we know that they're all amazing, but they can't talk to C levels. I know that's that's why we need a new job, just like tech translator in the security world of somebody who knows how to get people fired up, but can like listen to the techs who are really really awesome, but just don't aren't aren't ready to try and connect it to the like business. Is that your new title? I yeah, uh, chief translator. <laughs> um, there's a couple other ones that the people wrote in the comments, but those are his eight. Uh, there was uh, lack of prioritization of the issues. Uh, which I definitely agree with. I mean, you know, especially after you get the non-prioritized, zero connection to the impact assessments that most companies put out there and pump out where it's like, hey, here's 900 vulnerabilities you're supposed to fix. Fix them all. Dude, get a life. Figure out which ones impact the business the most, which ones are most critical to the business operating. Prioritize those for your customer and give them a service that's going to get them somewhere. Don't just say fix everything. Come on. I mean, look at me. Look at how screwed up as a person I am. You think a psychologist <laughs> is going to tell me fix everything? I'll just go. Uh, sure, I'll do that. Give me 25 cents in my nine. <laughs> I got it. I, that, that's crazy. I, I just wouldn't. I just had this image of a shrink actually trying to deal with you in the first place. And just looking at me and just kind of blinking and, and me doing all sorts of reframing and, and contexting with them. But saying fuck like imp- 800 times Implanting in to the point where I get them that they're swearing <laughs> so much that I'm like, dude, you're really offending me. <laughs> because they're trying to connect to me and do matching and pacing. We'll do a whole episode on how to really mess with people's heads. Oh, that's what we'll do. We will get someone to come in under the alias the Ho Whisperer <laughs> and teach you how to manipulate people of the opposite sex <laughs> really effectively. Jess, if you're listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, the Ho Whisperer. Ho Whisperer. Uh, number 10 <laughs> Is that, that they had right out now? there. Um, was more security scanning solutions are too expensive, thus making a one-time scan once a year if I remember to event. So I, I think what they're saying there is tools are too expensive to buy, so they just Well I think that, that doing it is too expensive. <laughs> um so when you scan the thing or do the application hack or do the code mm-hmm. review or whatever you're gonna do, because of its its cost ineffectiveness to the company and and rate of return, that it makes it only happen once a year when it should happen constantly. But, but, dude, I'll give a free plug to, like, White Hat. I mean, they do 365 scanning, and they have constant application monitoring with on-demand scanning and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, because we're one of their partners and we sell that stuff out, it's like... Twelve to eighteen thousand dollars a year to have your app constantly tested and monitored by not only automation but people who are doing it manually. Gotcha. So I mean, when when I set customers up and we're doing you know total perimeter stuff, you know we'll do all the pen testing and social engineering and vulnerability assessment and client side attacking and all those things like every quarter if they want to do those, and then we'll have them run the white hat service on all the applications that are really 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 important. So that they can scan the thing every time it comes out, and it's only like twelve to eighteen grand. For the, That's not for bad the year. for the entire year. 
and they prioritize it. And if you have, uh, you know, like if you have a, a F5 box, mm-hmm. right, and, and you have the, the WAF module installed into it, it'll actually automate the signatures so that once it finds something, they confirm it on their team manually that, you know, hey, SQL injection works. Right. You can click one button and have it use its its SOAP API that goes back to the box and authenticates. You can actually have the interface that they give you the report. Click a box that says block, and it automatically puts the rule set back in your F5 box on the front door to even if you don't fix the SQL, it's not valid. Nice. And then you can rescan it, and it'll show you that it actually is not there anymore. It's gangster. And that's easy. It's like two buttons to click the thing and get through it, and you don't have to know a damn thing about that stuff and let the white hat guys take care of that. So I, I think that those excuses are bad. I think that people just don't don't investigate technology that's out there clean enough and, and available enough. Um, I think we're going to get wrapping up and close to sign off. It's 3.57 and the race starts in three minutes and I want to see if my horse is going to die. I bet it does. I hope so. I'll bet you Karen that it does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening. We hope that the the rants were somewhat enjoyable, entertaining, and and that we're just humble security people are out there to spread the word just because we drank enough with other security people that we learn things. Yep. And speaking of spread the word, just hopefully if you learned anything from this episode, it's that uh, if you're going to do a spray on tan, (laughs) open them up. (laughs) Signing off. ExoticLiability.com. Thanks a lot. Bye. There's an evident lack of light tonight An increase in desire You'll catch me Hanging out on a wire Cutting the voltage to your power line